Hello, and thanks for joining us on Architects of Change, a podcast brought to you by Mambu, the cloud banking platform to help you evolve your business. I'm your host, Emma Lindley, co-founder of Women in Identity. In this final episode of series two of Architects of Change, we're going to look at how businesses can collaborate successfully in order to benefit not just their customers, but the ecosystems they find themselves in and how ultimately they can provide value for both end users and stakeholders. I'm extremely excited to be having this conversation with two guests who have a plethora of past experience and are currently navigating business ecosystems at the very top level. John Lyons, partner at PwC, and Andre Dupre, global partnerships lead at Microsoft. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So, John, first question for you. What do we mean when we talk about ecosystems? Can you help us define what one is and why they are really important for both businesses and customers? Thanks, Emma. It's a good question and, and the obvious question, but not, not that well understood, to be honest. If you look potentially in banking going backwards, um, most banks were architectured with a core banking platform at the heart some people used to call it sort of the beating heart of the of the banking system and everything used to hang off that and this 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 core banking system used to undertake a lot of the functions of the bank it was quite functionally rich and everything was feeding that effectively um, which meant actually if you wanted to use best in breed solutions elsewhere there's quite some complex integration and reconfiguration that was required to to to, to build out those capabilities and that was quite costly and slow to do what we talk about when we talk about ecosystem banking is the fact that the core banking system is no longer the heart of the system. It's actually the orchestration and integration system that's the heart of the system. And actually, there's a lot of elements outside of that um, that form the ecosystem that actually bring the innovation into the, into the architecture. So let me give you an example. When you're building something in an ecosystem way, there will definitely be a, you know, a CRM at the front end. There'll be a core banking at the back end, such as Mambu. But you may then have an ecosystem partner that provides client onboarding, for example, and the most innovative idea V solution. You might have another ecosystem partner that provides uh, the best credit underwriting capability. And all those are integrated through a common data model, through a common integration layer and a common orchestration layer which means actually you can design your customer journeys and colleague journeys through that architecture, but it also gives you the agility to remove a part of the ecosystem and replace it with a, a, a better one when it comes along because no one can quite predict the future and technology is moving on at such a fast pace. So it's less hardwired than the, the old-fashioned architectures that banks have, have lived on for the last sort of 30, 40, 50 years. And it provides more flexibility for the future, generally cloud-based and far more um, uh, integrated across a common data model. That makes sense. And so, Andrew, you work within ecosystems in a slightly different way to John. Um, what is that? Um, and what would you add to John's definition and perspective? So firstly, I fully agree with John when it comes to the, the changing mindset of how customers are approaching the architecture of their banks, moving from that general ledger-centric model to a really customer-centric and data-centric architecture of how they build and construct the next generation of their banks. Coming at that from, from my perspective, and I work for the Microsoft Cloud for Industry Engineering Organization, so we're really looking at 
how do we build the foundations that enable such of an ecosystem? What are the building blocks that our customers need, that our partners need to enable that sort of story of how they want to you know, put together the future state of their banks and how our partners can best leverage the ecosystem to be successful in the market? How does building and orchestrating an ecosystem differ from growing just an interconnected network of partners? It, isn't that just the same thing? It's similar, similar, but it's to do with how it's architected. You can extend what can be quite a complex uh, technology environment and you, can, and, you can, and you can use ways to sort of integrate that. But unless you're working with a common architecture against a common data model, that then every time something changes, you're going to have to change many components of that. So the, the thing about a, an ecosystem architecture, it's architected like that from the outset. Uh, it's architected in a way that actually you're ingesting some the innovation within the customer and colleague journeys. Um, but actually, if you wanted to change those or you wanted to re-architect it, actually, it's a relatively simple simple thing to do i'll give you an example we were working with a client that tried to extend their capabilities uh into a new product and they've been trying to build that new product out for a couple of years we designed the product on on a more of a ecosystem um set of capabilities where actually you're orchestrating the solution you're not actually building the solution you're orchestrating the solution from breast and breed components Uh, and we can actually build a, a very innovative market leading product and proposition within about six to nine months. So it it just allows you to do something at a speed and cost that actually your traditional architectures wouldn't allow you to do. Okay, so so quicker and more cost effective is what I'm I'm hearing you say. And then what are the things that business owners should consider when they're embarking on trying to build a successful ecosystem? Like where, you know, can you give people advice on where they should get started? I guess there's like, there's two angles to look at that from there's like, you know, I think a, a business has to look at, do they want to curate their own ecosystem or is their role to sort of indirectly build their ecosystem by placing themselves in as many different ecosystems as possible? So I think the nature of the type of capability that they offer as a, as a partner is, is important um, in terms of where they fit in. And then understanding, you know, if they're going to build an ecosystem, what's the value that that's going to bring to its participants? What's, you know, what channels of business are they going to, to bring into them? And looking at alternatively, what what channels do they need to present themselves into if they want to sort of be successful in the market? I also think from an ecosystem perspective, they have to look at, you know, the value of what their ecosystem is versus the cost and complexity to be a part of that ecosystem. So when you when you build an ecosystem, you need some standards, you need some commonalities, you need some rules of engagement because at the end of the day, you want to meet the needs of your customers. So they, you have to have ensure that what's in your ecosystem meets minimum bars of compliance, minimum bars of interoperability, because you need to really get to that point, as John mentioned before, of enabling the orchestration, enabling the assembly of those end-to-end solutions to be as simple as possible. And that's sort of the final outcome. Uh, And and just building on Andrew's point, you know, a prime example of that is embedded finance at the moment, where, uh, you know, historically, um, before Klarna came along, then, you know, that point of sale finance was very, very limited. Um, it's now anticipated that that type of embedded point of sale finance will fund up to 70% of personal lending. Um, so, so a big shift for financial services as far as how uh, consumers get access to credit um, and effectively deploying, they would need to deploy their products outside of their own ecosystem uh, within another ecosystem uh, to make that effective exactly as Andrew says. So it's an important concept. 
Okay, that that makes sense. And let's talk a moment just about what kind of like good looks like. So let's just say, you know, ecosystem X has been developed accordingly with the, you know, they're all the right components. How do ecosystems and all of those moving parts need to be orchestrated to continue to be a success? Looking at that from once again, the platform angle, it's, you know, it's really important for, for us as an organization to really be close to our partners, to be close to our top strategic partners and continuously have that feedback loop of what are their needs for that platform to be successful for them and to make sure that's directly embedded into our future roadmap and strategy of what we're providing and what we're curating for the ecosystem to be successful. Um, I think the, the rules of the rules of engagement for the ecosystem are important. You want that to be as simple as possible for as many partners to be able to onboard, but you still need to make sure you, you meet those requirements that end customers are happy to consume anything from the ecosystem with, without risk. Um, and the interoperability is the absolute key element there. And, and, and that really comes down to the data layer, um, and, you know, we sort of see the success, the longer term is really increasing that data, that data fabric of the ecosystem to not only further make interoperability seamless, but really enable our customers to do a lot more and leverage that data into advanced analytics scenarios using artificial intelligence, using machine learning and so forth, where they can use the power of the data assembled through that, through that ecosystem into their solutions. And my only build on that um and I agree with Andrew, I think actually having common data fabric is key because that allows the speed, agility, the insights that you want in a consistent format. One one thing I would build, and we see a lot of clients um, sometimes take a wrong turn on this, is you need, to have a, you need to have a real focus on what the customer outcome is, what the customer journey is, and what the colleague journey is. As soon as you start focusing too much on the architecture and then working out how the what, what proposition the architecture can deliver by way of a customer journey, you're starting at the wrong end. You should aspire to, so what is it you're trying to, to achieve? What's the outcome you want to achieve for your customers? And then construct the sort of the ecosystem that can support that and the and the journeys, and configure the journeys that can support that. It's a very important principle, whereas you end up in the wrong place. I just wanted to add one more thing, and that is that what's also really important for the growth of the ecosystem is the partners that you're recruiting into that, you really need to make sure you have the business capabilities available in your ecosystem that meet the needs of our customers today, but also the emerging needs of our customers going forward in order to be successful. You were just touching on you know, the partners that you have in your ecosystem. Now there's lots of competition out there. Um, so how significant is successful collaboration amongst competitors within ecosystems? Um, and how do competitors maximize potential for both themselves and the, and the ecosystem? Ecosystems are very open architectures, and, and we find the best fintechs are the ones that focus on what they're good at. Um, so, so let me give you an example. If, if, if actually uh, we're looking for the next best IDMV provider, sort of biometric IDMV provider, um, then we want someone that focuses on that. Their roadmap is about that. Their roadmap is ingesting and developing innovation around that solution that takes friction out the customer journey. Um, so, so I, I would say we look we look for ecosystem providers, not only that provide the right innovation into that ecosystem, but also have the right strategy and the right roadmap, the right backlog. That means they're focusing on continually improving what they do. I think where we find fintechs don't have the right fit is where they try and sort of um, extend their capabilities into other things 
uh, uh, that that then sort of detracts from their focus and their their roadmap around innovation going going forward. But I think Andrew picked up on a good point um, a moment ago uh, around the maturity and, and the regulators' views. So these are all cloud-based solutions. Um, they're, they're fintechs. They they're supporting probably important business services for banks. Um, so we also need to choose um, uh, fintech partners that that you know have the right level of maturity and i mean sort of that can be organizationally from a technology perspective they have the right um a design around resilience availability and, and some of those non-functional elements as well because you know if you're if you're ingesting someone into your ecosystem you need to make sure that they're secure and they're safe and they're going to be around next year so the due diligence around that is also quite important yeah i think we know that we're not the only company building an ecosystem so for us, it's all about what's the best way to leverage the capabilities we have in, as an organization to, to benefit our partners. And, you know, we obviously believe at Microsoft that we have the sort of strongest portfolio of capabilities to do that. But I think what's great about the ecosystem concept is it's inclusive. So, you know, if a, if a partner of FinTech chooses to be a part of our ecosystem, it's not preventative of them from being a part of other ecosystems out there as well. So, you know, from, from, a, from a partner business perspective, they can really choose which ecosystems they want to work with and it's just up to the job of of us as providing the ecosystems to make sure that ours is the best in class and that they want to do the most business with us and again just to back under up there we were one of the launch partners of microsoft financial services for cloud um, from a pwc perspective and, and the reason the reason we did that was because actually we were quite aligned on our architectural thinking about where banks were going uh, and actually sort of microsoft when you think about their capabilities be that dynamics or power platform or, or or teams sitting on azure as soon as you start to put a common data model around that then actually a lot of our a lot of our customers already have quite an embedded footprint so you're building on something that they they know and have today and what you're then doing is ingesting capabilities from external third parties and building quite innovative uh, solutions for, for for banks so so it fitted very well and i think um, microsoft is probably the the, the more advanced of the of, of, of the large technology providers are really thinking that way. We also see some really positive patterns developing as well around like, um, say, big techs versus fintechs, where in the past they may have been competitive to each other, um, the new kid on the block versus the, 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 the legacy guys trying to maintain their business. And now we're seeing a lot of examples where they can actually work together in partnership and bring capabilities to our customers. So we've talked a little bit about what good looks like. Can you, have you got any examples of, you know, an existing ecosystem which has been really good for both businesses and also the customers that use it? Let's talk about some, you know, concrete examples of what good looks like. Yeah, and we've built ecosystems for a number of different use cases. Um, we've done it for lending. We've done it for business banking. We've done it for mortgages. Mortgages is quite an interesting one. I'll use that as, as an example. because. Applying for a mortgage has so much friction in it. I'm sure many people listening to this will have gone through the stress of applying for a mortgage, get an agreement in principle, having to send loads of documents in, you know, get a call back, you know, perhaps two weeks later about whether it's affordable affordable or not before you get your final offer. It's quite a stressful and slow process. Uh, and actually, so if you, if you take the principle I was talking about before, MOA, actually you take a customer-centric view. What, what would you want to happen when you're applying for a mortgage? Actually... It could that journey might start on right move, the way you're identifying your house, 
And actually, there's a lot of information on Rightmove. That data should be persistent into the mortgage application. You should be able to apply for a mortgage with the bank actually using all the data that they have. If your income comes into another bank account, then actually you should be able to just allow open banking to ingest that information and get uh, 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 and get real-time decisioning uh, on it. Um, so we will, we will want to get to a place where we could agree a, agree a mortgage against a property uh, relatively quickly. Uh, and then what happens next? Well, actually, you go on to a conveyancing uh, angle, which is equally, you know, painful with friction in it. So actually, we, we, we partnered with an e-conveyancing um, solution uh, that actually had the data persisting through it into the e-conveyancing. So you didn't have to fill out the same information onto the same forms in, in three or four different places. And actually, if you extend that right right to the end of the process, you know, we had a fintech that actually allowed, could just move in, that allowed you to actually move all your utility bills uh, on the day of completion. It did all that work for you as you moved into your property. So when we think about a, a customer journey, it's not applying for a mortgage. It's actually moving home. Yeah. And it starts in right move and ends with you moving in and there's a mortgage process in between. And, and if you can get banks to think about the customer journey and the, and the, and, and the most friction free process through that, for a customer, I think that's where the future is going for financial services. So that's that's the example I'd use of the sort of thinking and mentality we have and the sort of capabilities that ecosystems can provide from that end-to-end -end journey. One, I fully agree with John. And I think, you know, we're seeing a lot of examples on the go in the market at the moment around um, institutions who can really build their best in breed modern banking offerings, whether that's in retail or commercial or business banking, by just picking the best of breed solutions that they want to piece together. Um, and we're seeing a lot of success from that. Um, we're seeing the value of that. And I think, you know, the, the next step of that is really looking at, you know, towards embedded finance. And we're seeing a lot of examples now, especially around business banking scenarios where, you know, being a big growth industry um, and looking at how really modern lending products can fit into point of sale activities of, of, of businesses and bring lending to them when they need it by, connecting the right ecosystem components together into the right channels. What would you say could be done to make an ecosystem, you know, some of those really good examples, what's the, you know, what does the future look like? What could we, you know, what can be done to make ecosystems like this even better? Where are you seeing the next sort of like two, let's talk in two years. So the next two years, what does that look like from an ecosystem perspective? What we're finding is that we're having to spend more and more time a, from a strategy perspective, understanding what the future of the financial services, products or services would be, because this isn't the technologies discussion. It's it's actually, you know, actually it's providing the services that customers want in the future. So that is that is quite a strategic um, bit of analysis and discussions that we're, we're having. Um, but I think we're spending even more time trying to identify what the best ecosystem partners are to deliver that, because there's a plethora of ecosystems out there and actually, Emma, what I was describing earlier about the complexity of actually finding them, making sure they've got the right fit, making sure they bring the right innovation, making sure they've, they've got the right compatibility and interoperability, um, and then making sure they're safe and secure and the due diligence around those elements. So, so actually, it, there's, there's quite a lot of time and effort to make sure that you're building the right ecosystem um, for the right use case that's going to meet the need that consumers want or colleagues want for, for the future. And I think that's something we're continuing to bolster our capability because we realise that's the secret source. 
if you if you get the right proposition right and you get the right ecosystem members correct uh, then you can do some amazing things if you don't get those things right then it it, it becomes more difficult I look at it from you know we need to have the most comprehensive and diverse set of building blocks um, available in our ecosystem so you know and when I say a building block that can be capabilities provided by a partner that sometimes can be capabilities that we we enable ourselves through our platform um, and really getting to that point where the interoperability is as seamless as possible um, the data fabric is as connected as possible and the the assembly of those next generation or emerging requirements of customers is is just a building exercise and all the building blocks are there and available to do that even if there's a new requirement we can sort of take the right pieces together and and create that scenario for a customer without there being you know a gap in functionality or a gap in capability so we can really just be much more agile in helping banks bring new capabilities new products to to, to the market to to continue the, the transformation of the industry. And just picking on Andrew's point there that, you know, one big growth area for us is around data and particularly sort of the machine learning AI element of data because to, to give the customer what they want, you have to get ever more precise and personalized to the, the point in time that they actually are interacting with you. Uh, and and, the, and the, the growth of data means that actually do need some sort of good data analytics, um, machine learning, AI type tools to actually provide that insight real time in the moment to make sure that you can get that interaction as per- personalized as possible. So we do we do see a big growth in that area. Yeah, and a, and a part of our, our strategy as an ecosystem platform is to really best leverage the more different data sets that we have plugged into our into our ecosystem to to be able to infuse AI directly into some of the experiences that we offer customers. Andrew, John, that's been a fantastic discussion and thank you so much both for for your time today. Thank you, Emma. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to be here. And that was a fantastic discussion with John from PwC and Andrew from Microsoft talking about ecosystems. And why should we develop them? Well, they reduce the speed and the cost of bringing innovation to market. How should we do them? Well, we should focus on the customer you know, building from their needs to pick the best in class ecosystem partners. And what's the value does an ecosystem deliver to customers? Well, we talked about seamless mortgage applications right from the moment that you hit the advert of the house that you want to buy. And that brings us to the end of this Architects of Change episode brought to you by Mambu. Thank you again to my two brilliant guests, John Lyons, partner at PwC, and Andrew Dupre, Global Partnerships Lead at Microsoft. If you'd like to delve more into John's work, please visit pwc.com. And to read more about Andrew's work, please head to azure.microsoft.com. For more Mambu podcasts, head to wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode. I've been your host, Emma Lindley, and thanks for listening to another insightful series of Architects of Change. Music